All right. What's going on, Faith Church? Hey, welcome, everybody. It's great to have all of you here in the house, man. So thankful for all of our Faith Church family. It's good to have you here this morning. Can we welcome our Faith Church family up in Lawrenceburg? It's good to have you guys in the house as well. To all of our VIPs, hey, thanks so much for being here. Can we one more time, man? Can we honor the Lord Jesus, man? That's why we're here. Come on, let's give him our best praise today. Hey, listen, real quick before we get into the message today, I want to make sure that we just take a moment to recognize a new addition to our faith family and to our staff. Many of you already know him, but we want to honor and welcome Pastor Chili Chilton. This is his first Sunday here. Pastor Chili, it's great to have you, man, here on our team. Looking forward to what God's going to continue to do here. uh, It really is uh, incredible, man, as we see God grow the church and our body here and our team, man, just continue to be excited for our future, man. Is anybody here thankful for what God's doing, man? It's awesome. Well, listen, I don't know if uh, many of you caught this, but at the end of 2018, this began to come on the radar and has become a pretty big deal, at least in the background since, and that was the issue with Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo uh, came out pretty public in the news. They, They were making some decisions in their banking that really they were defrauding customers. Ultimately, there was this push from upper management down to workers that they wanted to push quotas for accounts. Hey, you need to open more accounts. You need to get more credit cards out. And so they started doing it, the workers started doing it, but with some cues for management and some personal initiative, because they said, hey, if you open so many accounts, we're going to give you bonuses, you're going to get raises and increases. They began to open accounts, but the accounts they opened were not legitimate accounts. They were taking present, um, they were taking present customers, they were taking their information without their knowledge and opening accounts, opening bank accounts, opening credit cards. And so here the the bank was blowing up. They were increasing revenue. The workers were getting bonuses all to the cost of the customer that had no idea it was going on. Now, here's what's crazy is many of us would hear that and we would think, I would never do that. Man, if I was in that position, if I was like, I would leave the company. Like I would never defraud a customer. I would never get a bonus at the cost of deception or You know, man, we hear stories like that, and our first thought is this self-righteous indignation. I would never do that. And I think the truth is, maybe I would like to think if I was in that situation, if I was a manager, I would never push my employees to be fraudulent. If I was the employee, I would like to think the best of myself, that I would never never do that for a bonus. But let's be honest, while you and I may never do something like that, the truth is, what was driving management— to open more accounts, and what was driving the staff to fraudulently get these accounts open at the heart was greed. It was greed. It was the desire for more. We want more, we want more accounts. We want more income. We want a bigger bottom line. I want more bonuses. I want more summer money. I want more vacation money. I want more for me. And so at the end of the day, while you and I may never do that, there are things we do that reflect that all of us wrestle with greed. In fact, if you're taking notes, here's what I think today, and this is what we're going to see, is that we all have a conflict with covetousness and a struggle with selfishness. When I say a conflict with covetousness, what I mean is that we're not content with our content. Like, I mean, there's just something in all of us. Well, I can just speak for me here on the front, I guess, that we want more, like we get something and we want a little more, we want a little bigger, we want a little newer. Like, I mean, if you ask the average person, hey, are you happy with all your stuff? Are you good with it? For my, not? No. 
Like there's something in us, and I think some of it's okay, this drive to be better, but at the end of the day, it's this drive for stuff. It's, dry, it's the drive for the newer, the shinier, the bigger, the flashier, the drive for more. And so I think there's this thing where a lot of us, we're not content with our content, so we covet what other people have. But the other side is, is, is this, is this idea that we struggle with selfishness, we can't part with our possessions, we can't share our stuff. Isn't it crazy? I mean, there's just something in us that, you know, we're asked to give, we're asked, we, you know, we have the opportunity to give something, and there's this thing in us, man, we just can't let go. It's like, here, take it. <laughs> well, you got to open your hand. Take it. We wrestle with it. Think about this. There are these qualities that every kid has. Think about the qualities of a child, and these are all qualities that every ch young child has at some point in life, and the goal is, as parents, that we help them outgrow it as they move into adolescence, they leave this old behavior behind. Think about it, emotional outbursts. Like, it's just part of the terrible twos. If you've got kids, like, they may reach three if you don't kill them first. They're terrible twos for a reason. And a lot of terrible twos, they have these temper tantrums. My uh, youngest daughter, she's not here, so I can say it. Man, she was high drama. Still is. But man, she would just throw fits. It was horrible. But there's this point where you just feel like, hey, you know, once you start getting older, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like you leave those emotional outbursts behind. Like it's just not, it's not okay to have emotional outbursts. Come on, men, Father's Day's coming up. I mean, imagine if you're walking through a hardware store, you're rolling through those, and like you see this tool you want, you're like, hey, babe, I think I'm gonna get this. And your wife's like, well, honey, the house payments do. Now's not a good time. We're not gonna get that today. Can you imagine throwing yourself on the ground, holding your breath, kicking and screaming? No way. Like, just grown people, we recognize that that kind of behavior is no longer acceptable once you get older. I mean, the same thing is true. I mean, you can, you can go through and, you know, there's, there's all these behaviors that children have. There's all these things that they do. But imagine for a second, I mean, it's easy, it's very easy for us to realize that we see selfishness in kids. In fact, that's one of the number one things we wrestle with, especially if you grew up and you had young siblings or if you're here and you had a parent of multiple kids, like it's that idea that they mine, mine. And they can find a toy that they've not, like a sister, like will find a toy the other sister hadn't played with in four years. And all of a sudden, that's mine. I want to play with it. And we have to teach young children, hey, no, you need to share. But isn't it crazy that we get into older life and we still struggle with selfishness? So it's not okay to have emotional outbursts. And we wouldn't say we're selfish. We would say, I'm careful. I'm careful with my stuff. I'm just financially safe. I'm just trying to be a good steward. The reality is, man, we're just justifying that all of us, I think, certainly me, that I still wrestle with selfishness. Like, I can just, man, if I can just be really vulnerable, if I can just be really open up my heart, y'all don't judge me too harsh, and maybe you're here with me and just nod, and so I don't feel like I'm the only one. But like, there are times, I mean, we try to live a generous lifestyle, but there are times like, really, and I'm saying this not to joke, but truthfully, if I'm splitting a dessert with my wife and she even goes on my half of the cheesecake, like I'm not going to say, like I'm not so shallow, I'm going to fight about it, but I'm thinking bad thoughts in my head. Like as she starts to get towards the line, I start thinking, oh, she better not. Like I'm bigger than her. Like if anything, I should come on her side of the line. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like really, I start thinking that like, man, I think she's about to take a bite of mine. Or don't you hate when you take somebody out to eat and you tell them, listen, you can get anything you want. 
on me. Listen, I'm generous. You can order anything you want. Do you want an appetizer? No, I don't want an appetizer. And you order an appetizer. You get some chips and salsa. All of a sudden, they want some chips and salsa. No, these are my chips and salsa. You said you didn't want any. Now, all of a sudden, you want some. Come on. Anybody here ever drive through Target? And there's always Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, traveling soccer. And you know you pull up that light. You know you're going to get stuck there. Anybody pull out the back because you don't have to give anything? Me either, but I've seen people do it. Come on, what is that? I'm like, I don't want to give them $20. I gave them $20 last week. What is that in us? Because all of us wrestle with this covetousness. We all wrestle with this selfishness. And we've been in this series entitled Convictions. And if you've not been here for this, convictions is this idea of combining these two words of convictions that we all have convictions in life. We all have these firm ways that we think we should live, decisions we should make. But we compromise those convictions for convenience, that it's easier to do something else. Even though we believe, here's how I should live. Here's how I should behave. Here's how I should handle that situation. We don't. We take the easy way out. And so we've been talking about this whole idea of convictions, of how we compromise our convictions for convenience through this whole series. And today, I just want to talk about this idea of greed. Because I think, especially if you're here and you're a Christ follower, it's really easy to see that, that we've been called to be generous, but it's easier to live with greed. We've been called to live open-handed, but it's easier to live close-handed. It's just more convenient to say no. And what's crazy is as a Christ follower, and convictions shows up best in our relationship with God, that Jesus gave a very clear example of generosity. Over and over again, he calls his disciples to live lives of generosity. And yet for some reason, it's easier just to live with greed. And so I want to jump into uh, Luke chapter 12, and we're going to kind of dig into some things that Jesus had to say on the issue of selfishness and greed and covetousness. And so check this out. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. It says, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, watch this, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things is that? Now stop. So everywhere Jesus went, typically there were crowds following him. He was a he was a nomadic teacher. People were astounded to hear some of the things he said. He was very charismatic. He was incredibly revel uh, revelatory. Uh, man, things Jesus taught people had never heard before. They were astounded by his authority. And so crowds would gather to hear what he would say. And oftentimes people would gather and, and God would, Jesus would work miracles. I just want you to know if you're gathered here today, you need to show up believing that God can work a miracle in your life. You might have something I'm not even talking about. God knows your need, your heart, your struggle and can do something about it. And so people would gather around. Well, in this particular instance, this crowd is gathered. They're listening to Jesus teach. And like out of the, out of the back, there's this, there's this guy. In my mind, I imagine he's raising his hand. Hey, Jesus, uh, hey, 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 tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Now, there were already laws in place to decide how an inheritance was given out. But I don't know if, this, if the older brother just wasn't giving the young, younger brother his share or he felt like he deserved more. But what's crazy is he calls out to Jesus, hey, Jesus, tell my brother what to do. How should, we, how should we handle the financial estate of our parents? Now, here's what's crazy, and you have to get this on the front end. Jesus responds with this statement, who made, who made me your judge? 
This is crazy. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, before I issue my judgment, am I really judge over you? Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes I, I find myself asking people their opinion, and I don't really want their opinion. I want their agreement with my position. And when they tell me probably what I already know that I'm wrong, like, I don't want to hear that. Who do you think you are? And so what Jesus is establishing is, hey, I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my opinion, I'm going to issue my judgment, but are you sure you want my judgment? Now, if you're here and you're new to spiritual things, if you're just checking it out, we're glad you're here, we're glad you're watching online, and, and you can take it for just what it is, this is just an opinion. I think as we get through this today, you'll find out that maybe this would probably agree with your heart, but if you're here and you're a Christ follower, let me just make this really clear. We didn't just make Jesus our Savior. We made him our Lord, which means he is our judge, which means we submit to what he teaches. So the setup on the front end, hey, who made, you, who made Jesus your judge? Well, I did. When I said, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior, you know what I said? Jesus, you're my judge. You have a right to tell me how to live, how to behave, how to treat people, how to spend my money, how to handle my relationships, how to deal with my struggles. Come on. Hi, people here. Jesus is not just your Savior, but he's your Lord. So that's the question, right? So then he goes on. So he establishes this baseline. Hey, if you're his follower, he is your judge. And he says this. Then he said, verse 15, beware. Everybody say beware. Here's a cautionary tale. Beware. You got to see red lights flashing. You got to hear sirens blaring. Beware. Another way is to say just be aware. Be aware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, I think the reason he tells us to be aware of greed is because we're not aware of greed. Like, I'm aware when I hate somebody. Hate in my heart is very easy to sense. A struggle with racism in our culture and community, it's obvious when it happens. I mean, nobody's like, was that racism? Well, yeah, you heard what he said. You saw what they did. Anger. If someone has a fit of anger, nobody's like, I wonder if they wrestle with anger. Like it's, so when we wrestle with other sins, it's so obvious. But greed has a way of resting underneath the surface of our life, and why, we either don't recognize it or we justify it away. So what Jesus is saying to all of us here is, hey, be aware, be aware that you might have a greed issue in your life. Be aware of it. Let's deal with it. And watch this. He says, guard against every kind of greed. Because greed, it comes in different ways, different shapes, different forms. We talked about covetousness. Sometimes greed is just not being content with your content. Sometimes, again, greed is struggling with selfishness. You don't want to share with others. So he makes it really clear, and he says, hey, be, be aware, be on guard. And watch this. This is so crazy. Every kind of greed. Now, here's what I want you to know for all of us in this room is that greed is not about the amount of your account. It's about the hunger of your heart. See, we tend to think, if I had, if I had as much money as they had, I wouldn't be greedy. I would share all the time if I had money. Boy, if I, if I had what they had, I would be generous too. We tend to think that if we just had more money in our account, we would be more generous. Well, greed is not an amount in the account issue. Everybody wrestles with greed. In fact, I'll let maybe the people who are on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale a little bit off the hook. If anything, statistics show us very clearly that people typically who have a larger income give less and are less generous. Now, you might say, come on, Pastor, like, I just wrote a $1,000 check. But yeah, you're a multimillionaire. A $1,000 check and you're a multimillionaire is not generous. 
and a hush falls over the crowd. So he says, hey, greed can hit anybody. Doesn't matter how much you make. Be aware. It can show up in lots of different forms. And then he makes this statement. This is so powerful, and you have to hear this. He says, he says be aware of every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Wait, it's not? I thought that's exactly how we measure life. Like, we measure life by, like, you know, our, our first, the first place Sean and I, we lived was a tiny little apartment over this garage, a little shack on the hill. And then the next house we rented, it was a house, but it was a nicer house. And then we bought our first house, and now we bought a second house. We're, we're getting ready to buy another house. Our house keeps getting bigger and more expensive. Woo! We're doing life right. We're wearing nicer clothes and driving nicer cars, and we got more money in the bank. It's like, we're doing life right. Isn't that right? Because life is measured by how much you own. We live in a culture that will tell you life is measured by how much you have, how much you own, how much you accumulate, and how much you leave behind. And Jesus, the Lord and judge of our life, says, no, 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 that's, that's not life. Culture will tell you that's what life is. This is so crazy. You know one of the reasons Jesus came was to show us what life is because we thought we had it figured out. And he says, no, what you're living is just death. I've come to give you life and life to the full. And here's what life is. Life is not accumulating stuff. Life is not living greedy. Life is living generous. And if you want to find real life, you, you and I both, we have to get out of greed and get into generosity. We have to leave behind selfishness and get into sharing. And that is so hard because we wrestle with it so fiercely. And so if you're taking notes, he, he says this. He says, ultimately, it's this issue of greed. What is greed? Most simple way we can talk about greed, especially on the selfish side, is this. A heart of greed only considers your need. A heart of greed, you want to know when you have a heart of greed? It only considers your need. Doesn't matter what someone else is going through. Doesn't matter someone else's issue. Doesn't matter tornadoes just swept all over the Northeast and the, in the, uh, in all over this part of America. And as a church, we continue to give to different ministries like Convoy of Hope. They've made 14 trips in, in 13 different locations and places. Why? Because it's not just about us. But greed only sees your need. It only sees what you're going through. And so all, this, all the people around, imagine now, they're leaning in. Remember, Jesus having this conversation basically over the crowd between this guy and himself. And now the whole, the whole crowd, Jesus has their attention. Wait, greed, maybe I'm wrestling with greed. Wait a minute, life, life isn't about stuff. Well, Jesus, what's it about? So the whole crowd's leaning in, and then Jesus teaches this parable. Watch this. says this, he says, then he told them, a story, verse 16. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, watch this. I want you all to hear these next four verses here. Then he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Isn't that a good problem to have? Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend. You have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, every voice, come on here, read this, Lawrenceburg, read it with me. You fool, you will die this very night. Now, here's what's crazy is I want you to notice at the end of this, remember how the story started? Jesus asked the question, hey, am I your judge? And then it end, he ends the story by saying, you're a fool. You know what he's saying? I'm judging the way you just lived. Whoo! If, if, if we want to invite God in to look at our life, to look at our habits, to look at our mentality, to look at how we treat people, to look at how we deal with resources, he looks at this guy, the way he handles his stuff, the way he struggles with 
only worrying about his own needs. And he looks at me and says, you're a fool. What, what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to judge the way you live. Here's what's crazy is a lot of us would read this. Well, maybe not in the Bible. Because all of a sudden it's in the Bible we put up defenses. If we read this in Money Magazine, oh, come on, somebody. If we read this on the cover of People Magazine, if we saw this on a, on a, on a news article, we pulled this up on Google, and we saw this guy, that, you know, money mogul makes so much money, he has to st- distribute it in multiple banks. We're like, man, I wish I was like him. Yeah. Has so much money. Unfortunately, died at a young age. We think, oh, man, what a pity. Jesus tells the same story. He says, you know this guy right here? He's a fool. So the same thing, we look and we say, man, I wish I was like that. Jesus looks at that lifestyle and says they're foolish. Foolish. What does, he mean, what does he mean by foolish? Again, he's saying, I want you to be aware. Everybody say, be aware. When you are not aware of these things, we're going to tell you what they are. When you live with no awareness, when you live with no perception, you're a fool. Well, here's the thing this guy that he tells a story about that maybe you can identify with. Maybe I can identify with. Here's the things that this fool mentioned. First of all, a fool, a fool has no sense of the soul. They're not aware that they have a soul. I want you to notice about this guy, the story Jesus tells. Man, this guy was, as far as outward appearances, he had it all together. He was living in the best subdivision, living in the nicest house, rolling in the nicest car, wearing the nicest bling, had the most beautiful bride, had the best clothes, eating at the best restaurants. He had everything on the outside taken care of, but he forgot that the outside isn't all there is to life. Come on, somebody. There's an inside. You can take care of your life. Listen, you can work 9 to 5. You can work, uh, you work 8 to 6. You can work double time, overtime, extra shifts trying to take care of life. Pastor, I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm just trying to, we're just trying to keep our head above water. And she's like, yeah, but, but life is more than this outside stuff. It's more than making sure that your kid has enough money to get to soccer camp. It's more than having a boat on the water on the weekend. Life is, come on, everybody, life, I know we want some of those things. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, but Jesus is saying life is more than that. And if you get caught up in the cultural rat race of building your personal kingdom, increasing your bottom line, making sure you have enough wealth, he's saying you'll forget, did you take care of, not your outside, did you take care of your heart? Because Jesus said this, I'm telling you, this will rock your world if you think about this. For all. Jesus said you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul. You can live this life with, with, man, shutting up your heart and your soul and think you have it all together on the outside and convince everybody around you how great your life is. And Jesus said, but man, you lost the race. You missed the mark. And greed has this way of pulling us to the external at the cost of the internal. Living life for the body and forgetting the soul. Jesus, man, over and over, Jesus taught more about money than any other situation. So if you're here nervous, I'm talking about money, take it up with Jesus. Because he had a lot to say about money. He made this indelible connection between our money and our soul. He said, he said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You know what he's saying? He's saying where you spend your money is where your soul's attached. And if you're always about you and always more about your bottom line, he said, man, your soul is rotting from the inside out. You might look great, but man, we got to do a soul check. So let me just ask a question. Based solely on your level of generosity, How's your soul? Based solely on your level of generosity, how's your soul? Because God, God looked at this guy and said, you're a fool. Here's another thing. Not only, again, was he not aware that he had a soul, 
Here's another thing that God calls us to be aware of as we manage our money and as we struggle with greed. A fool has no consciousness of his creator. <laughs> Here's what's crazy. Is notice this guy's story. I won't read it all. But he says, I, me, mine, and I'll 12 different times. I got so much money. I'll build bigger barns. I'm going to store it up. I'm in good shape. My crops, my barns. Listen, I want you to know something. Listen, you can get an eye, you can have an eye disease. And I'm not talking about pink eye. I'm talking about a heart issue. You can have an eye, eye disease as we go through life. We think life is all about I. I, I, me, my, my. And Jesus is saying, man, listen, don't forget as you walk through life and as you manage the resources that you have, don't forget that God is not only our creator, but he's also our provider and he's our judge. Now, let me just talk about God being a provider. Aren't you thankful that you, as you work hard, as you put in the nine to five, aren't you thankful it's not really all up to you? Aren't you thankful that we have a good God in heaven? He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Aren't you thankful that God looks out for us like a good father, that he meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory? Aren't you? Come on. Is anybody here thankful that God has blessed us in a way we could never deserve? And what this guy forgot was he was thinking about just how hard he was working, thinking about how good his crop came in. And what he forgot was God's his provider. What he should have been saying is, God, I wouldn't have any crops if it wasn't for you. God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even have any barns. God, if it wasn't for you, I couldn't build bigger barns. God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the strength to work the field. God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have a tractor to plow the field. God, I only have, I only have crops and I only have land and I only have barns because of you. God, it's not mine. It's all yours. Come on, recognizing that God is not just our creator, but he is our provider. is key to being a Christian. God, it's all yours because it's all from you. He's our provider. And... This is, whoo, come on, boy, this is cold-blooded right here. He's our judge. Notice he gets to the end of his life, which came way sooner than he thought. And God judges him. You fool. What, which, what did you do with all the stuff I gave you? Do you know that all the stuff God gives you, first of all, he doesn't really just give you, he loans you. We're just stewards to manage it on his behalf. And he will call into account at the end of our life how well did we manage what he gave us. Which means he has certain clear expectations, what we do. And yeah, part of it, let me just be really clear, because this is, pastors get guilted into never talking about money. I'm totally comfortable talking about money, because it has been some of the greatest heartache in my life, how poorly I've managed money at times. And living a generous lifestyle has brought some of the greatest joy in my life when I've done money right. And money's not just, hey, give money to the church. So listen, if you're not comfortable giving money here, don't give your money here. But you better, get, you better be generous somewhere. If you don't think we're managing it well, then give it somewhere else. But you better be generous somewhere because you will stand before God and give an account of what you've done with what he put in your care. And so, man, we wrestle with, we like, man, I, I want to give. After I, when I get that boat, I'm going to start being generous. Once we get the house paid off, pastor, I'm all in. We got some medical debt we're trying to retire, man. We're like, we've been paying on this for like three years. It's almost paid off. When it's paid off, I'm in. Well, what if you die before your payments get made? What if you, what if you don't make it? And so, man, it's so challenging to hear as we wrestle with what Jesus is saying, that we're going to stand and give an account of what he's provided for us in life. And God, Jesus looks at this guy and he says, you fool. You have no idea. You have an eye disease, and we have forgotten our creator. And the third thing that Jesus mentions here that I think is so powerful is Jesus basically says this. This is another place where he was not aware. A fool has no enlightenment of eternity. 
Think about, I'm, I'm just telling you, early on, and maybe this is some of your story, uh, truly early on, I won't get into all of our story, but we, we made some really bad money decisions. We got, my wife and I, very early in marriage, got deep in credit card debt. We spent foolishly. We spent carelessly. And we had a hard time digging our way out. But ultimately, I mean, God's plan is not just give all your money away. Don't give all your money away. God's full financial plan is for you to spend well, save well, invest well, and give well. That's all of it. Don't just give because you can be a tither and still be in a financial mess because you're still not spending well. God wants it all. And he's given us enough to live the standard he wants us to live, not the standard the world says we should live. And so... Man, here's this idea again is, man, that we have to recognize that through life, and I've wrestled with this. Early on, we didn't put any, any money aside. We, we spent it, baby. <laughs> Gave some away, spent, the mo- spent most of it. And then, you know, hear people talking about retirement. You got you to gotta be ready for retirement. I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I'm, I got retirement. Like, people who are retired look old. I don't look like that. If you ever notice, the younger you are, the older old people look until you get old, and you don't look old some more. Come on. I look at me now when I used to think people my age looked old. I'm like, I don't look old at all. The 70-year-olds that look old till you're 70, it's like, it's not the, I'm not old. It's the 90-year-olds. Right? So he says, hey, listen, I want you to know, he says, man, man, we, 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 we're, we're trying to get ready for today. We're trying to make sure we're financially smart today. We're trying to make sure we got money for tomorrow. For me, like all of a sudden when I started getting in my 40s, I'm like, uh-oh. I need to get ready for retirement. And we started to put money aside, put money aside. Why? Because we live in this world right now where we're so focused on time, but we've forgotten about eternity. That we're so focused making sure our financial needs are met tomorrow and the next day. And when we retire, we forgot that you're not always going to be here. In fact, your life, uh, the word says your life is but a vapor. You're here and you're gone, but eternity is forever. And so we just can't get ready for today. Yeah, we need to. We just can't get ready for tomorrow. We should. We shouldn't just get ready for retirement. It's coming. If you're not ready, you should do all you can to get ready. But in your, in your effort to get ready for today, tomorrow, and in, 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 in retirement, you better make sure you and I, we're ready for eternity. Jesus looked at this guy and said, you fool. You thought you had plenty of time. You ran out of time. But there's still eternity. And so we got to make sure, man, we are mo- managing our money well, and we are wrestling through the issues that all of us have with greed to step into generosity. And here's what's crazy is if I took a poll one-to-one, not here in church because y'all would give me the church answer, but if I did a side of the road and you didn't know I was a pastor and I walked up, every, every one of you said, hey, do you think people should be generous? There's no person on planet earth. You could be the most po- impoverished person on the planet to the wealthiest person. There's no person. If I ask the question, do you think people should be generous? Every single person would say, well, yeah, absolutely. Hey, do you think it's okay to be selfish in life? I, there's no doubt in my mind, one for one, across the board, everybody would say, it's not okay to be selfish, but let's be honest. How many of us in this room are living by the convictions that would come out of our mouth? No, it's not okay to be selfish, but I got to do this. I got to take care of me, but I'll do it later. No, 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 no. We can't live with the convictions of greed. We have to walk a lifestyle of generosity. That's where life is. Life is when you recognize you're connected to something greater than you. I'm not, I'm not just this isolated atom on a planet in the middle of a galaxy filled with billions of stars. 
in a, in a universe filled with billions of galaxies, and I'm minute and I'm nothing. I'm connected with my creator who's made me in his image, who's given me a purpose. And part of my purpose is to, is to represent him on planet Earth by the generous, generous standard that he has set. I want to be generous as well. And so as I walk like him, as I live like him, I have a part of what he's doing on planet Earth to see lives impacted, to see people help. Because my life is bigger than just me. Life is about the people I'm connected to. And we're all connected to the creator who made us, who is not just our creator, but who's also our provider and also our judge. Man, can someone give God some praise for that? So watch this. Then he asked this question. So this guy, he's not aware. He's not aware that he has a soul. He's not aware. He's not aware of the creator. He's not aware of eternity. So again, he says, hey, you fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you. Then he asked this question. Now, he's asking the question now to everybody because everybody's like, oh, no, that story didn't end good. Then he asked this question of everybody in the audience. Now, I'm asking this question of you. The stuff that you're making, the money you're earning, your 401ks, your IRAs, your mutual funds, your bank accounts, whether there's $50 in it or $5,000 or $500,000, the stuff you have, the house you live in, the car you drive, all the stuff that you've been accumulating on planet Earth, here's the question you need to wrestle with. After you die, verse 20, he says, then who will get everything you work for? Come on, life is storing it up and stocking it up and setting it aside, and I got money, and I got all this stuff. He's saying, yeah, but one day you're going to die. Who's going to get all your stuff? I want you to know something about your stuff. You're either going to give it away, you're going to will it away, or someone when you're dead is going to throw it away. Here's the crazy part is, let's be honest, a lot of us think, oh, boy, my kids can't wait to get that. No, when you're gone, they're throwing it away. Come on. The financial plan at my mother-in-law's house is has a, it's a match. That's it. Come on, there ain't even there's not even an estate sale. I'm just like, whoosh. okay, I might need a gallon of gasoline, but that's it. I got three dollars in the wholesale. Whoosh. I, y'all, y'all are judging me. I can feel it. She's got a lot of stuff. I don't have time to go through all that stuff. Who's going to get all your stuff when you die? Jesus gives an optional financial plan to the day you die. It just accumulating rust and turning to nothing. Or you pass. Yeah, I think it's great if you can pass it on to your kids. But isn't it better if we can pass it on to the kingdom? God's financial plan is not greed. It is generosity. And then he says this. Watch this. Here's his summation. Yes, a person is a fool. To store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Hey, who's your judge? That's the question he started with. Am I your judge? For me, yeah, God, you're my judge. Well, here's what I think. Here's how I think a fool is. People that have no concern for the soul. People who have no concern for the creator. And people who have no concern for eternity. God says, those are fools in my book. And if you missed it, here we go. A fool, if you don't even read the rest of the story, here's what Jesus said. Yeah, a fool is a person who stores up earthly wealth. Now, again, he's not opposed to earthly wealth. Takes earthly wealth. Love doesn't make the world turn. Love doesn't pay my light bill. Love doesn't pay my house payment. Takes money. He is not opposed to money. He's using these two ideas in contrast. Storing up earthly wealth or having a rich relationship towards God. What, What does that mean? Well, we know another time Jesus contrasts this idea of storing up treasure on earth is, again, just making sure your today, your tomorrow, and your retirement's worked out as opposed to storing up treasure in heaven. 
that every time you give outside of yourself, greed is about your need. Generosity is about the need of others, the spiritual needs of others. As a church, we finance ministries all over the world and here in this nation. Your neighbors that you live by, who maybe God put you next to them for the sole reason that you would be there when they got in their time of need so as a Christ follower, you could help them. Did you ever think of that? It's how we live generously, of how we live open-handedly. I'll tell you every, that's not true. I won't say every, there are dollars I give that I don't want to give. And I fight to get it out of my hand. But I'm always glad when it's gone. I'm always thankful for the opportunity to give and live generous. It's a privilege to be used by God, even in the hard things. So here's what Timothy said, or Paul said to a young pastor named Timothy, talking to people in his church, much like I'm talking to you. He says, hey, tell them to use their money to do good. Oh, I'm, no, I'm doing it, pastor. I got a good boat. I got a good house. I got a good car. No, 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 no. To do good from God's perspective. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. Come on, everybody here, read it. And generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Not tomorrow, not retirement. He's talking about eternity. So they may experience true life. What's true life? living the life that Jesus came and called us to live. Not the old life we used to live of selfishness and covetousness, but the new life that Jesus set the standard for of generosity, of living open-handed. That starts, that starts by being a tither. First 10%, it always belongs to God. It's all His, but we recognize His ownership by being tithers, by being givers, by being generous, nonprofits, neighbors, friends, people in need, living open-handed. God, I get to be a part I get to be part of the solution to their struggle, living generously. So let me ask you a question. Are you aware that you have a soul, and are you taking care of it? Are you aware that you have a creator who is your provider and your judge, who's providing everything you need and providing what you need to live the life he's called you to live, and one day he holds you accountable to it? Are you aware of that? Are you aware that there's more than just time? That one day every person in this room, like the guy in this story, will slip into eternity. And this life will be over. But life continues forever. Because if you're not aware of those things, it's so easy. It's easy to live closed-fisted. But when you get aware, man, I got a soul. I got a creator. And I got an eternity. Lord, help me to live open. Life isn't measured by how much you have but by how much you give. Life, not from the world standards, because it's the other way around. From God's perspective, not a fool, but someone who's wise, life isn't measured by how much you have, but by how much you give. I don't know about you, but, you know, preaching messages like this personally push me to want to be better. How many of you in this room would say, Pastor, I need to be better in this area. I want to I live a generous lifestyle. Come on. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand. Just honestly, I'm lifting my hand with you. I want to live a generous lifestyle. I want to live with the consciousness of my creator. I want to live with a sense for my soul. I want to live with an enlightenment for eternity. Come on. If that's you, come on. Lift a hand real high. Father, all of us in this room, God, we desire to live the life. Even though it's not easy, even though it's in conflict to the world around us, 
God, I pray, help us, God, to wrestle beyond, to grow out of spiritually that selfish mentality. God, help us first to be tithers. God, help us to be givers. Help us to look for opportunities in this world to be generous to those around us. Because, God, we have a soul to take care of. We have a creator to honor. And we have an eternity to answer for. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Listen, don't miss next week for Dad Fest. We'll see you guys then.